on today's episode is a long-ass episode for the Bonafide Scrubs. Thomas, Will, and I, we go through NBA Midseason Awards. We give our All-Star Weekend reactions. Should the dunk contest even come back? And we talk about Blake Griffin to the Nets. How is he going to impact? Is he actually going to be a role player? Is he washed? And then we get into the end, pretenders and contenders. Which teams can really win the championship and what teams are fake news this season and they're not going to go all the way. Before we get started, we want to let you know that the Bonafide Scrubs podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Okay, so Noah and I live on the East Coast and that can make it harder for us to watch some of our favorite out-of-market teams. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. He's a Seattle Seahawks fan. Now we can watch any team regardless of market with no restrictions thanks to ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that encrypts your data and allows you to change location, tricking sites into thinking you're located somewhere else. You can use ExpressVPN to stream all sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, you name it. ExpressVPN works on all devices from smartphones, tablets, computers, and even smart TVs. It's incredibly easy to use. Just fire up the app, choose a location, and hit connect. To save money and watch all the games you want, just visit expressvpn.com slash scrubs to get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash scrubs to get three months free. Thanks again to ExpressVPN for sponsoring the show. You know what time it is. Yeah, you know what time it is. This man was a bona fide scrub. The mega midseason NBA award show in the middle of the week on Wednesday, March 10th. It's the Bonafide Scrubs, Will Swanky, Noah Levine, and Thomas Aiello. The rare midweek show. We hope to be able to pack everything into this one episode. It's a mega midseason show. So we hope to be able to encompass everything we want to get to. We're going to do Blake in Brooklyn, the midseason awards. We'll give you MVP, rookie of the year. Defensive player of the year, all that stuff, some pretenders and some contenders, a lot of different segments here to get into. But guys, we can start off with just our reaction to NBA All-Star Weekend. It wrapped up this past weekend. Of course, all the staples of All-Star Weekend, the three-point contest, dunk contest, skills competition, and then finally, the game. And it was all condensed into one day. I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of do like how the, the events are spread out. Over the course of a weekend, typically, I know the NBA, they love their ad revenue and their ticket sales over those three days. So I'm sure that the weekend will return uh, when they have the ability to do that again. But for one day, it wasn't bad. It, it kind of felt a little bit long. The fact that all the events were just packed in to that one couple of hours there. And it felt like it kind of droned on a little bit towards the end. But they got it done all at once. And it, it was all right. I mean, it was fun. All-Star Weekend is always fun, but a little bit disappointing this year in just some aspects. I think the skills competition, in my opinion, was just too short. I mean, they had less competitors than usual, and it just it went by in like 30 seconds. It felt like if they, if they didn't have commercials, they could have done that in like two and a half minutes. And then the three-point contest, which is probably the best, the best event of the night, in my opinion, we saw the God Curry take over and win. And then we got to the dunk contest in the game, and the dunk contest was really bad. Uh, we, we can break down each one of these events as we go further, and the game w- was kind of a letdown compared to last year, in my opinion. So all these events, it was sort of a mid-All-Star weekend. It wasn't anything special or memorable, but it was all right. I mean, it wasn't completely abysmal, but not completely great. So I don't know. I, I, 
I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I, I'm going to disagree with you, Will. I think the All-Star Weekend, it was actually abysmal. This, I will never remember this All-Star Weekend, I don't think. Nothing nothing happened crazy. Obi Toppin got robbed in the dunk contest. The All-Star Game was a blowout. I mean, Team LeBron was up 20 points at half, and like Team... They had, way, they had the way better roster. I know KD didn't play and Bede didn't play. Like his whole team didn't play. And Kawhi wasn't playing well from the start. Team LeBron got off to a 20-point lead at half and they easily won. It was just Curry and Dame shooting half quarters and making them. And Giannis just dunking at every play, winning MVP. Great showing by him. He joins Michael Jordan and uh, who's the other guy that has an MVP defense player of the year? Oh, and Kevin Garnett. Garnett. So one of three players. So Giannis is on Hall of Fame pace, no doubt. As Thomas likes to say, the future goat. Only time will tell if that take can come true. But the three-point contest, yeah, I, I think Curry shouldn't be allowed in the three-point contest. I think it's too easy for him. I know I didn't I picked against him. I didn't want to be bo- I didn't want to be boring and go with the same guys, you guys. I picked Zach Levine. He had a decent showing, but I think Curry should be banned from the three-point contest because we've without Curry, we've seen some great three-point contests, performances by other guys like Joe Harris, Tatum in previous years. And then contests, yeah, it's just weird how they all, all the events were in one day. The skills went by too fast. The big men won, as Will mentioned, Sabonis. Big men now won five out of the last six years. The dunk contest is very underwhelming. I mean, I roasted Simons before, and he ended up winning. The judges the judges stink, honestly, every year. They've been really f- messing it up recently. <laughs> Cassius Stanley was a bot. He didn't do anything special. Toppin had some nice dunks, but it wasn't uh, – He, I feel like he wasted all of his good dunks in the beginning just to get by the bum Cassius Stanley. <laughs> and just it, – it's just weird. I don't, I don't like it. I feel like they, this was forced by the NBA. They really didn't need to even have an All-Star weekend, but I guess it was great for the revenue and television. But I like I liked it all being spread out. I like the skills and dunk contest. And remember the uh, – wasn't there some other challenges in previous years? Remember when all, like, the celebrities did, like, half quarters? I remember, like, Bosch was doing half quarters. It was, like, teams. Yeah, that was and, the like... shooting stars, and they, they had yeah, to gone that. for a while. I, lo- I, I used to, like, watching that. I don't know why. Well, the celebrity game – it's not good, but it was funny some years, especially when you can use them in 2K, like Justin Bieber and JB <laughs> Smoove. I just like the whole weekend vibe event. I don't like it all in one day, personally. It was kind of weird, dunk contest at halftime, but this All-Star was kind of abysmal. I won't remember anything from it. I'll also remember that Obi Toppin uh, got robbed and that Damon Curry just hit half quarters. That's all I saw that was notable. I don't know. There's two things that are memorable to me, and one of them is going to be the fact that Curry was just completely dominant in the three-point contest. And, I mean, you said he should be banned, but his record isn't great. I mean, he's just 2-5. and five. I mean, he's participated in seven, which is pretty nuts, but he only has a 2-5 and five it, record. That's crazy. Wow, seven. So, yeah. It's not like he wins every year. I mean, you would think I that know. he should win every year. He really should win every year if he's that great. Yeah, and then he was great in the, in the game, too. Him and Lillard, both of them uh, were two of the more entertaining players during the actual game. But then also the one thing I'll, I think we'll remember for a while is the fact that Giannis is the only player in NBA history to not miss a shot in the All-Star game, taking more than 10. So he went 16 for 16 and won MVP. And people do remember some performances in, in All-Star games, and All-Star MVPs are remembered further down the road. So I think this one, the fact that he didn't miss, uh, that we can probably look back on that. And the fact that Curry won the three. That, 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 those are the two things that I think uh, people will care about. But other than that, it pretty much was a wash. Nothing uh, else stands out. 
How does my um, Giannis could be the goat take look now? It's the <laughs> what? same. He re- relaxed. He hasn't had a championship yet. He hasn't been to an NBA Finals yet, Thomas. Okay, but come on, it, it's gaining some traction. Like he's on a good start to that status. You've got the two repeat MVPs. He's got a Defensive Player of the Year. He won with one of those. Now he's got the All Star Game MVP, and he had a had a astronomical performance in the game. Well, not missing anything. So I'm not going to say that the take's going to become true, but it is gaining some traction. It's entirely possible well, that, that if he could takes happen. down the Nets and or makes the, the NBA Finals and wins it, I mean, <laughs> he'll, that will definitely gain some more traction. Definitely, if he can actually accomplish all that. I don't think he will, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, the biggest MJ fan we know trying to supplant him. Wow, as yeah. the goat. So, so you Giannis. don't think so? You want Giannis to be the goat, hey, and hey. LeBron's not closer to MJ than Giannis. No, it's not that, but just given the trajectory of his career so far, everything he's accomplished, and just watching games alone, how dominant the guy actually is, how is he not like on pace? How This is like a LeBron pace. And it took, what, LeBron nine seasons to get his first string? It took Michael seven. You know, Giannis, we'll see how long it takes him. But I'm not, well, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not going to say it is happen but it's he's well on his way like he's the on the big he problem with Giannis is he also really didn't get going until at least his like fourth season in his career like MJ and LeBron everyone knew they were top 10 players pretty much in the league right when they came in I mean MJ averaged 28 his first season I don't know if we'll ever see anyone do that again in his first season and LeBron was like first team all NBA in his second well, season Luka. Giannis was averaging like what 10 points in the second season it took him to year four well Kobe Bryant, yeah it took Giannis a few years and He's he's not great that great of a shooter. There's some holes in his game, and of course, he hasn't won a championship. And he's stuck in Milwaukee for the time being, a, a small market. He doesn't have that support what MJ and LeBron did. I mean, LeBron left the small market in Cleveland to go to Miami to team up, and Giannis isn't really doing that. I do respect that though, but it's just going to be tough for him to uh, build his own super team there in Milwaukee and sort of gain rings to be in the conversation when it's all said and done. I would say the other one you can look at is Kobe because he wasn't very good coming out of the draft. And some people, not some people, the crazy Kobe people think that he's the greatest player of all time. Yeah, well, he's and not. That's, and he's not. Well, I mean, he's not, but that's still, what, a top seven all-time NBA player. I mean, nine. it's not like he's a total, he was just good right away. He had to work for it too. And I think that's the path Giannis will follow. And I mean, statistically, he can easily match anyone you put him up against other than probably Wilt Chamberlain. And in terms of accolades, you know, he's off to a good start in that department. So maybe when we get to his age 31, 2 season, depending on how much stuff he's won, you know, maybe you can start making that argument. If he's won a couple championships, we're going to have to see. All right. Well, I don't want to move on from All-Star Weekend just yet. I do want to talk about the dunk contest a little bit more in detail because we kind of skipped over that. And this dunk contest, I mean, if, if it wasn't for 2014, the timed dunks, this probably would be one of the worst dunk contests ever. I mean, the judges, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anybody got a 50. I mean, I might, I might be wrong about that, but there was zero. 50s, I don't think so. Nobody got a 50. Would, I don't know how often that happens. Probably not that often. So the judging was very strict here in this one. No fifties. Also the fact there was only three people, I think that again made the event short and kind of weird and there wasn't enough time to really care about it. Like I feel like 
the 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 night spent more time on lots of other different things and commercials and whatever than the actual events themselves. So that was kind of frustrating. And then just the fact that in the final, like the final dunk off, the, the last two people, each of them only got one dunk. And that was like, I think back to some of the better dunk contests, like we keep talking about 2015 and even last year, like players kept getting fifties over and over. And then they just kept having to go like, in 2015, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine did like three dunks in the final Pretty round sure against 2016. each other. Either whatever year. And they, I mean, they just kept going back and forth. And that's part of what makes it exciting. You get all these great dunks over and over again. And the fact that it was only one dunk from each of these people at the end was, I mean, it made it really boring and really bad. And I think they got it wrong because, I mean, we're biased Toppin fans, but his dunks were way better than Simon's. I mean, Simon's did two one-hand jams in this competition one like i get it he has great vertical and he was grabbing the ball off like 11 feet or whatever that was and he tried to kiss the rim but it's it's just a one-hand dunk the ultimately the dunk is a one-hand jam and he was able to win off that so that's kind of lame i think top and he jumped over two people he he did a between the legs from a step inside the free throw line zach levine did that one year and got a 50 and so what's up and get for the his between the legs I think again 48 for that he got there was no score they just picked like oh no they picked the names they just yeah. picked simons instead for the kiss dunk which he didn't even kiss the rim the whole concept of the dunk is to kiss the rim he didn't even he get close was like a foot and a half away and they they just gave it to him off an idea which is really it's that's bad so they gotta f- sort of fix the dunk contest next year it's lost all of its if it was if it wasn't for Aaron Gordon Zach Levine it basically has lost all of its glory from what it once was so that's the one year kind of saving it at this point but in recent years it's been really bad and this year they I mean it kind of failed Cassius Stanley he he was really bad in the first round as we thought yeah they just they need actual good NBA players in the dunk contest too and I think there's been I think the dunk contest it gets a little lackluster because we've seen pretty much every dunk in the book by now in the 25 years they've done it. I mean, there's always people trying to jump over like taco or tall people. We see that. We, see, we always see between the legs. We see just trying to grab the ball in funky ways and dunk it. Maybe the dunk contest, it's, it's maybe it might, it's good, it might be over. I mean, it might be not as exciting unless we see a crazy matchup. But I remember Simon's tried doing the copying T-Mac. He put on his jersey to try doing the T-Mac dunk. I mean, it was like, okay. I mean, it wasn't as cool as T-Mac did it, but Simon still ended up winning. So I guess we got to give credit to him, but dunk contest just not I, the three-point skills are my favorite contest these days and that, that stays true past this year yeah i wonder if it's possible for the dunk contest to lose like its lifespan is over like is there no yeah more creativity? it could be i don't know what they could do we, we, we need more cars to jump over like something helicopter someone to jump over a helicopter <laughs> jump, jump out of a helicopter and dunk how about that yeah <laughs> or a blimp the the famous blimp in 2k in the middle of the arena <laughs> Uh, yeah i don't know like how to make it more creative or, or revive it it's always the last event of the night because it always used to be the most exciting and now i mean we've I seen everything most people, would, most people would say the three point was the best last night with curry uh yeah in some years i mean my sleeper competition is always the skills because i think it's really fun i think them introducing the big man the the first year they did that and from now on it's been great I, this year it was bad because it was too short and there wasn't enough competitors to make it fun but I, I think a lot of years it's been really close and competitive fun stuff always happens like tatum hit a half court 
shot for the win in one year. Like there, there's just always been different exciting things to happen in the skills and the three point contests. I don't know for some reason just watching a shooter hit like ten shots in a row. It, that never like gets old. Yeah, having Curry score 30, 30 points in a three point contest just doesn't really lose any of its excitement. And I guess dunk contests. I don't know. Maybe maybe the caliber of players can make it more exciting. And probably also it got hurt by not having a lot of fans and not having like usually the players on the sidelines get really hyped when players do great dunks. And this year that wasn't really happening. There wasn't people lined up on the baseline or anything. So I think that also probably hurt it. But I mean, it's possible that the dunk contest could just be running out of life. It could be just boring forever. I guess Uh, that's possible. It's like Yoda in return of uh, not return of the Jedi. No, yeah, in Return of the Jedi, when he's laying on the bed and Luke's talking to him, and then Yoda just vanishes. That's going to be the dunk contest in a couple of years. I can't believe this is the shooting the stars. Force. I like the shooting stars. It was funny when like random celebrities and like Breeze and, and Bosch was just shooting half quarters for charity. That may be more exciting than the dunk than the dunk contest. Get like little baby to shoot a half quarter. He can't even go oh for my. Throw. He can't just even get a bunch of rappers to do free it. Throw. No, yeah. God. Just get the rappers to do it. Quavo went off and beat a little baby in two chains for 500K. <sighs> little baby is egregious at basketball. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the dunk contest needs to be retired. I think we've gone, like, like Will said last episode, gone of the days are Dominique and Michael participating. And now we get people like Cassius Stanley, who literally are G League players, and then bench people like Anthony Simons and Obi Toppin. And we like, we really like Obi on this show. But I, it would be more exciting if they had a Derek Jones, Zach Levine doing it. And then I don't know who you want to pick for the third. Um, if they got like a pro dunker to go up against them or something like that, have like the professional dunkers that just work at those companies. They just dunk for hours a day. And you got to put a, they got to put lethal shooter in the three point contest then. I wonder yeah, what that how would he would cool. do. <laughs> That would be cool. NBA players versus people like Lethal Shooter. Like that, I, Lethal I would Shooter think, get cooked by Curry and stuff. I would want to see that though. Like I would, that's something I'd want to see. And Skip always wants LeBron to dunk contest. Uh, contest. He never participates. Like we never saw that ever. Michael yeah, did it. Never will. I don't know. Can Zion do it? Can some really athletic guy do it? I, I mean, I know Cash is athletic and Simons, but they're afterthoughts. I mean, nobody really like who's. Like nobody's even teammates with Cassius Stanley. It's like Sabonis probably doesn't even care about him. He's in the Pacers organization. Yeah, Cassius Stanley didn't dunk in the NBA. They they said that before. Yeah, the contest. No, he's zero dunks. So yeah, I don't know. They just they put him in there for for like the history of him being a dunker in high school or something. I don't know. Like how does Simons, who has 15 dunks in his career, he has two dunks this season in total, get into the <laughs> damn dunk contest? How does that make any sense to me? That doesn't. Zion literally dunks every other play. You couldn't have him participate? I get he didn't want to do it, apparently. I will. In the first 15 minutes of the show, we've crowned Giannis the GOAT and retired the dunk contest. Whoa, so whoa, we're whoa. An interesting start here. I don't agree uh, with statement number one, but number two, we, we did retire the dunk show, contest. The big <laughs> NBA show. All right, well, let's move on to some actual NBA news, a news story you hate that news. developed over the weekend. <laughs> He hates guys. Will secretly hates TCR. Don't get it twisted. I had a, TCR is fun. I just don't like talking about what, what was a show topic we had to cut last week. That was just oh the COVID vaccine. That was oh yeah, TJ McConnell 
getting nine yeah. steals in a game. Like that's not a topic that we're talking about. I'm sorry. I refuse to put that in the show. There's no opinion associated with it with that. There's nothing that has no implications on further NBA games or seasons or anything. Yeah, but he broke a halftime record. He broke a record. It's, 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 it's a nice record. It's not even real. It, it's it's a nice little record, I suppose. But I think maybe NCR was better because Tiger Woods crashed into the woods, unfortunately, as the <laughs> as the pun. We'll get more okay, puns well, though. We still do have to talk about things that do matter. And in this case, Detroit, they brought they bought out Blake Griffin. He became an unrestricted free agent and he signed with Crooklyn. The damn Nets signed Blake Griffin, and they make their super team even more uh, super. I guess, uh, yeah, su- okay, <laughs> sure. They make it even more super, and they add Blake Griffin to the mix. They they needed big men. They needed a player like Griffin to fill a role for them. And in my opinion, guys, this is this is a good move for them to make. I mean, he, Blake Griffin is a, a free player. They didn't have to give up anything to bring him in. And I think he could be pretty talented for this team because he's going to be a lot more motivated playing for a great team like Brooklyn with all the guys they have. He, the spotlight isn't on him. He could just do what he's required to do. And I think his motivation to win a championship, able, it's going to get him back to the level, a similar level of play that he had before. I think in Detroit, he was just short, sort of there for the money he there was no meaningful basketball being played with the pistons at all over the course of his career with them and now he's he gets to compete for a championship which is something he really has never gotten to do i know the clippers were near the top of the west a couple of times and but i don't really think anybody thought that they were actually going to win the title and now he's on probably the title favorite so this is a different path for blake griffin here and it's not even the end of his career i mean Two years ago, two years ago, Blake Griffin averaged 25, 8, and 5, and he was an all-star. I mean, that's top of the league numbers. He's only 31 years old now this season. And, I mean, two years ago was honestly the best year of his career, statistically. And I don't think he'll ever get back to those type of stats, and especially on the nets. I mean, he's not going to be taking enough shots or having the ball in his hands enough to ever get there, even if he was talented enough or not injured. But I do think he can... He can revive some of that ability that he had only two years ago. I mean, this wasn't five years ago. He's not 40 years old. He's really still in the prime of his career. And last season, he played 18 games and really just couldn't get anything going. But two years ago, guys, he played 75 games and had the best stats of his career. I think he's not dead yet. I mean, 31 years old, you're firmly within the prime years of your career. And to me, Blake Griffin is revivable, especially by a Nets team that doesn't need him to do very much. So for a fourth option for this team, especially if Durant's still going to be out, uh, yeah, this is this is a W for the Nets, as much as I hate to admit it, but it really is. I mean, he, Blake Griffin is a good NBA player still. I think I don't know about that. that. People have forgotten he, that to me. He could be a decent role player, but I think he's kind of dead. He'll be a nice role player for the Nets. But it's a shame. I mean, he's 31. If we look at his career, he's pretty much the same age as Curry, and and Blake Griffin's going to be a passenger on this Nets team. And Curry is out here winning a three-point contest, averaging 30, basically having as good of a season as he did his MVP-type season. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Kevin a, Durant. Ma- Kevin Durant's older. LeBron's older. Like these guys are much better than, than Blake. Yeah, it's a shame because Blake. 30. He was. 
He was the most powerful in the league many years ago. I liked watching the Lob City Clippers. He was better than Anthony Davis at one point. Everyone forgets huh. that. Yeah, he used to be better than Anthony Davis. Not like five, okay, six years ago. Okay. He was better than AD until probably like 2015, 2016 season. Come on, and Noah. What? That's not even we'll a crazy give, take. He was the most we'll powerful in the league. Year. I'm not giving him any anything after AD's rookie year. Davis was by far. No, he was not better. He, oh he was not God. him. Blake and CP3 on the Clippers team was lethal. They did blow that 3-1 lead. It's a shame. I mean, we see John Wall's career go down the toilet. He's also like the <laughs> same age as Blake Griffin. Yeah, but he's playing well. He's been playing well this year, but Blake averaging 12 going to Detroit just... I feel like he should have been better. I mean, I know he was great in the Clippers, maybe the best power forward in the league at the time, but I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Maybe he will get in, but it's a shame. He's 31. He's not, it's not like he's 36 and he's a passenger on this team. He's 31, and it's, his career is winding down because of injuries and all the stuff he had to deal with. It's, it's a shame for – I was once a Blake Griffin fan. I feel like this is the, the beginning of the end because we saw the same thing with Amari Stoudemire when he had a big injury. Yeah, and then he came back, and he just was not the same player at all. And then he got moved to the bench. While it still wasn't what the Knicks had originally paid him to be, he was still a productive player. And I think that that's the role that the Nets are going to put Blake in. He's going to be the sixth man off the bench, probably. And given that he's not a defensive player, which is something that they sorely do need, it's still, a, it's still a productive player on the offense, and it just makes them that much more lethal. He can pretty much annihilate anyone in the post still. He still has a good drop step move. Uh, he knows how to get into the paint. He can shoot a little bit. But my biggest con- concern with him is, and this is for most of his career, can the body stay in one piece? That's been a big question his entire career. He's had problems already this year. I'm just, I just want to see if he can stay healthy and be semi-productive off of the Brooklyn bench. I think that's going to be a massive, massive pickup for them. But they need to, they need to learn how to cover for his weaknesses too. He, the dude can't run anymore, and he can't even jump. He, can, he has a hard time going up for layups now. So what's you know, the point of signing of- him if, if, you, if you say he can't jump or do anything? That's, that's his whole game, essentially. Well, I think, I think he's going to re- resort more to that side game that team um, wait his turn, if you will. But if they give him the reins to the bench, it's entirely possible. But we're going to have to see how they use it. Yeah. You have to account for the fact of his declined athleticism. And it sucks because at one point, he was one of the most exciting players. You know, you need to find a way to get around that. And I'm sorry. That's just the reality of the situation. Blake Griffin's not the same Skywalker that he was all those years ago. But we're going to see. I think he's going to have the nice Amari Stoudemire bench role and he's going to be a nice spark plug, 10, 12 points, because he is going to have to share the, the ball with three people who literally take 60 shots between the three of them a game. So we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see how this one all comes together. Yeah, these critiques make sense, and he's not the same player that he was just a couple of years ago, but the Nets really are not going to be asking him to do that much for their team. I mean, he's one of four great players that they have and he is by far the worst one so like Thomas said they give him the reins to the bench to be able to lead that unit and just have veteran leadership and still be able to produce you know I mean he's averaging 12 if he produces 12 points a game off their bench 14 points a game off their bench that's going to add a lot to a Nets team that 
is struggling with depth. I mean, they have their top guys we know, uh, Nets, Nets fans that we know love to tout the talents of Bruce Brown and their bench <laughs> unit. But other than, outside of Brown and outside of Joe Harris and outside of some of these other guys, they really have no role players. I mean, Luau Cabarro, he, he's, I guess, fun to watch, but he doesn't really contribute anything other than a couple of threes a game. So this team, obviously, when you have a very top-heavy, star-heavy team, it's going to lack a little bit of depth and a little bit of you know, bench presence and role players. And if, you, if Blake Griffin is free and you just find him on the street, like, oh, yeah, this guy two years ago averaged 25, and now we're going to bring him onto our team. Like, yeah, I mean, you pretty much have nowhere to go but up, I, I think. So if he doesn't stay healthy, then, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just lose him and they go back to the way that they were. But to me, just adding him to their team and having him be on the bench and be a decent role player is – it's like you got nothing to lose at that point. You're just you're playing with house money and hoping that he becomes great. But if he doesn't, then it's like, oh well, all right, well then we'll just go back to the way we were playing before. I want to just correct you real quick on your role player statement. They're not entirely lost beyond Brown and Harris because uh, Claxton's gotten a lot better. Um, he had like one game. Yeah, so no, one he's game. He's not gonna games. play big. He's not gonna play big playoff minutes. They they signed Blake Griffin to play big playoff minutes. Yeah, yeah, Blake, but they I mean, need him down the stretch. More, he's be- more reliable than Claxton. Yeah, like, he's they, a they better player. Play. Way more. If your problem is interior defense and presence, and Nick Claxton, who's stepped it up recently, he's been looking. He's looking looking pretty good as a backup center, along with the fact Landry Shamit shot almost fifty percent for the month of February from three. And you have Jeff Green, okay? And you now you add Blake Griffin. You know, the bench is not a, a washed washed thing. The, you know, they've got pretty good role players. And Claxton's gotten better for the opportunities that he's been given. Like I said before with Shamit, you have Brown. Green's hurt, but he's going to be coming back. And now Blake's going to be in that. I'd say that's a, a pretty damn good bench, if you ask me. Is it the best bench in the league? Probably not. Is it a top 10, top 12 bench? I think you can make the argument that it's somewhere in that, uh, in that count. So it's not like they're totally lost beyond Sleepy Joe Harris and, <laughs> and like Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. They, they've got a couple guys who have stepped up. And yeah, I mean, that's, I just wanted to say that. There's yeah, no the, way the, that the Nets bench is a top 10 bench without no, no, Blake no, Griffin, no, now, now that you team, add Blake, you it gets if he put gets, if he's able to get okay. revived by this team, then yeah, I can make the case as a top 12 or top 10 bench. But without that, without without a, a reliable Blake Griffin, there's no chance that that bench is top 10. The best bench resides in New York, Thomas, and it's not the Brooklyn Nets, it's New <laughs> yeah, York. We Nets. And We're also, I like to point out that Derek Rose is 32, he's a year older than Blake Griffin. But his career isn't completely watched because he's a starting point guard on a contender right now, a.k.a. the Knicks. <laughs> Not a That's true contender, a but sentence. I think personally, I think I think Blake Griffin might close games for this team in the playoffs. I, I could see Steve Nash pulling out Kyrie, Harden, KD, Blake Griffin, and maybe Jeff Green or DeAndre at center. I think that could be their closing fourth quarter playoff lineup. I mean, you don't want Claxton playing in the fourth quarter against Giannis in a big playoff game or Embiid. You want Blake yeah, Griffin who's been the- at all. Yeah, you don't want those guys playing at all. You want your best guys. Blake Griffin has talent, as we know. He'll come off the bench. He'll play like 20 minutes, but he'll be in the closing lineup. I can really see that. Or maybe he can even be the small ball five and then for that team. And he'll contribute and he'll rebound. 
I mean, he can't really defend that well anymore, but he'll be there. He's a veteran. He's played with these guys before. He's played with DeAndre specifically before. This is the uh, this is the 2014 Clippers team combining with the Nets. They're just missing CP3. <laughs> As, and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what the Nets do and how Steve Nash fits Blake Griffin into this line because we know Blake doesn't need the ball to be good. It's not like he's James Harden or Kyrie. Blake Griffin could sort of be a lob threat, the dunker under the basket. Him and DeAndre can kind of sit around there and, and let the the three three stars do their thing on offense. Yeah, I forgot it was Blake Griffin and DeAndre playing together again. That, that yeah went over my head. And I think the comparison to Derrick Rose. I mean, the ages are similar. I I think that's if you can get. The Derrick Rose level production that you're getting out of him, oh, if you can yeah, get that out of Blake Griffin, good, yeah. then that's, that's exactly what you need. I mean, basically, yeah, it'll be the perfect scenario uh, if you're the Nets. But Thomas, I do want to ask you. We were discussing after Blake got bought out. We said uh, Noah and I, or somebody, was agreeing with me that, like, hey, the Knicks should just sign him because he could be decent. And he's free, and whatever, he's just another good role player. And you were adamantly saying that he was trash and that he should not have been signed by the Knicks, whatever. Now he's on the Nets, and I get this is a completely different scenario being that the Nets are a top, top team in the NBA and the Knicks are middle of the pack at this point, but I'm hearing you kind of start to change your tone on Blake Irvin's impact. So what, I mean, is there a difference between between a team like the Knicks and a team like the Nets in terms of signing him? Or I I don't know, what's your change in tone? Well, He's going to a place where the expectations for him aren't exactly what they were in Detroit, where he's expected to be the star player. No, he's going to probably be a bench player. And considering who is on the Nets roster, I don't think people really expect him to be doing too much. But if he went to a team like the Knicks, where you know they're not as good, they don't have as talented of a roster, and they're not as deep as he would want a contender to be even though they are they are a pretender we'll get to that in a bit what i think just the expectations would be too great for him plus the knicks already have very good uh interior prep talent between randall and noel and toppin and robinson um we can throw in taj because he does some things but we just like to meme him but he's the complete antithesis of what the knicks need and that's perimeter talent the brooklyn nets have perimeter talent, but their big, their inside presence stinks. For if he went to a team like the Knicks, I mean, where would he fit? He'd probably be benching Toppin, which I wouldn't imagine would fly over very well between the three of us and most Knicks fans. But in Brooklyn, he's going to get a chance to play at a position that they really need. So that's kind of where I'm, where I, how I look at it and how I think it's going to uh, be. Well, you're right in the sense that. The Nets are a more talented roster, obviously, but to me, Blake Griffin is going to be playing the exact same role in Brooklyn that he would be playing if he was on the Knicks. And I don't think they would need to bench Toppin to have that happen. I think they would bench Taj. And like I said on the day that Griffin get bought out, you turn Taj into Jawan Howard and just have him be Tibbs' assistant and coach the team. Because that's really why he's there. I mean, he's there because... Thibodeau likes his presence and he said that he's the best practice player that he's ever had. And I'm sure that he wanted this young team to have a presence of a veteran leader that he believes in that he likes. So that's why Taj is on the Knicks. He's not there to be a backup and to play. He's only playing because he's forced to play. (laughs) Robinson is out. And now 
he's even injured. So they don't even have him to to play. So to me, the Knicks do need a player like Blake Griffin. And we've been talking about who's going to be their center. Noel's been playing 40 minutes. They really they they do need a big man still and, and a person who could play a role like Blake Griffin. So I, I I think adding Blake Griffin not only to the Knicks, but adding him to any team, he could just do the exact same thing that he would do on the Nets and he would be useful pretty much no matter what. Yeah, okay, but Blake Blake's not the player that the Knicks need. They don't need another power forward. They already have two good ones. Why not? But one's Why going not? to be good. Taj the other one is just injured. made it uh, I'm with Thomas. We we need more like guys that can shoot threes on the there's, wing. That's they, what we need. You guys are right. If, if I could pick between a perimeter role player and Blake Griffin, I would pick the perimeter role player if they yeah. were the same like on the same level. Like if we if we had the Derrick Rose Blake Griffin choice if Derrick Rose wasn't on the Knicks, I'm I'd probably Derrick pick Rose. Derrick, Rose. Derrick Rose because you guys are right. They need point guard help. They need perimeter help. But that's not that's not an option. Okay, Blake Griffin is just out there for free. Like you do, you can't just weigh it against a perimeter talent because the perimeter talent doesn't exist. There's none to sign. I get so I, Blake Griffin that's is true. They're available, and the Knicks they don't have any big men. Robinson's out for however long. Taj he Taj just got injured like last week, so they need. They still need help at this position, and it's yeah, weighing it against perimeter players, they need they need perimeter players more. But weighing it against no like nothing, then yeah, why not? But if you're gonna ask Blake to, who's stuck in quicksand, he's an atrocious defender as it is. Taj you're gonna Gibson ask him isn't stuck in quicksand. Ha- Taj is a way better defender than Blake. Not saying that he's like Dikembe Mutombo, but I don't know. They're both stuck in quicksand, but good for the Nets. They didn't let Blake Griffin fall to the bottom of the ocean. They picked him up. <laughs> Nilakina's move on. Yeah, Nilakina's low. Let's move on from this, guys. So let's get into the midseason awards. MVP, rookie of the year, Depoy, coach of the year, most improving six man. And Will, I know Thomas was not on the show, but my preseason picks are looking pretty hot right now. A lot of them, even though Kawhi being MVP. Probably not going to happen. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of guys that have him. He's probably not even in the top five right now. But Thomas, I'll go to you first. Who is your midseason MVP? Well, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to go with Giannis. Wow, that's uh, oh, the goat. That's actually not boring. He's I was not expecting the that. The goat. He's I mean, it's the just, goat. He's just been the best player the whole freaking season. Statistically, whoa, he whoa, whoa, whoa. Away. He averages 29 and 12. All right, let him go. Let him go, and then we you can rebut if you want. No, he he shoots fifty eight percent from the field. I mean, his three pointers still suck, and so does free throws. But like, come on, he's leading the number. He's leading one of the best teams in the NBA. They're probably there's a good chance that they make it to the East Finals this year, let alone the NBA Finals if they can beat the Nets. Because it's just though it's just them and and Brooklyn at this point. It's a two man race. Everyone else is just playing for clout, I guess, because Boston's not that good. We see we see Miami. They're not exactly... Uh, playing for clout. Yeah, they're not exactly doing their thing. Indiana's Indiana's been a disappointment. The pl- yeah, they have been bad this year. They've been bad. And I, Philadelphia, I don't think it's that good because they just play cupcake teams for most of their season. Oh, like, the Nets, okay, too. Sick. That's one, one game. The Nets. They, lo- they, 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 they beat the Bucks, I believe. Jazz. 
They lost to the Cavaliers okay, by let three. Me say, let me say something before you continue. Come on. NBA like, schedules not do not matter. There's like 72 games. They play every team more than like twice. They lost to the, not the NFL. Toronto the schedule, the schedule, the schedule argument is the dumbest thing ever in a sport like baseball, or the NBA. There's like, a, there's so many games. You play every team more than once or twice. There's going to be fluky games. It's not NFL. We could say, oh, this team lost to this team. Maybe they are right. actually worse than them. But no, Sixers are not worse than the Cavs. They are the number one seed in the East for a reason. No, they're one they of got the best their teams. ass. They got their ass kicked by the horrible. Well, no, I shouldn't say they got their ass kicked, but they lost to the horrible Toronto Barneys or the Tampa Bay Barneys, whatever you want to call them. Well, the Raptors are. They have a good roster. They're just having a down. It shouldn't year. be they able to beat the, the Raptors. Well, the like, Knicks lose to the Magic. Should the they Knicks shouldn't lose get their the Magic? asses kicked by the Trailblazers. <laughs> they shouldn't beat the Hornets by seven. They also shouldn't. It's the NBA. You they also should lose game to the freaking Detroit Pistons, who are abysmal. They're literally the worst team to ever okay, exist okay, hold in the on, past hold five up. years. The Nets the, lost to Washington. The Nets lost to Washington twice and the Pistons. So I don't want to hear it. Okay, before we keep going, I will remind you that there is a segment called Pretenders and Contenders, and this is the MVP segment. So we can get to the Sixers being fake later if you want but for right now you got to pick an mvp and thomas did that i mean it's Giannis, Giannis. so Giannis yeah, has let's been hear more let's hear the NBA. support support for the players we could argue how bad the other teams are later but i mean Giannis has just been by far the most dominant player in the league right now and that's that's false oh. no well, i want to hear your MVP. averaging 29 and 12 Okay, I know someone who's, who's, who's doing that, but better. <laughs> he just won the All-Star Game MVP. How is he not the midseason All, Okay, All-Star Game MVP does not mean anything. Okay, okay. it doesn't matter. It, like He's been destroying everybody. He cooked, the Bucks he gets are worse than Crooklyn and the Sixers right now. Oh, my God. Go. Are you going to tell me Joel Embiid's the midseason MVP? I don't know. Am I? It Will's up next. Oh I'll tell you my go. MVP after. You guys go, because I can't. He's going to say I know he's going to say Embiid. I know he's going to say it. All right, well, listen, I took this as we're doing the midseason award show. So I took this as who is this thing for half the season? Okay, so through the first half of the season, we're just looking at what's been happening. These players could fall apart at the end of the year, but we don't really care at this point because we're just looking at everything through one half of the year. Now, if we're looking at the end of the season, you know, I don't really want to get into that just yet. Giannis, I mean... I'm probably a bigger Giannis fan than both of you. And even we're hearing, I mean, maybe that, maybe that's changing now that Thomas wants to, Oh yeah. He's the the MVP and everything, but okay. To me, it doesn't really matter how good Giannis is this year, unless he just does something ungodly because narrative is going to clamp him from winning again. I mean, it doesn't even matter how good his stats are. He's just not going to win three years in a row. Uh, And his team's not even the one seed right now. So, I think that sort of prevents him from winning again. Uh, and to me, through the first half of the year, the MVP, it's basically come down to four people. Uh, those four people being Nikola Jokic, James Harden, LeBron James, and Joel Embiid. And if I had to pick one out of those four that are in my running, I'm going to pick Joel Embiid. So sorry, Thomas, you can't avoid it. Ooh, <laughs> wow, I'm He's shocked. I thought, now. I'm, I thought you were going to say LeBron, honestly. I was. The I thought Sixers, you were going to say Jokic. The Sixers are the number one seed in the East. They are better than the Nets by record. Uh, Joel, you like to say that Giannis is averaging 29 and 12. Well, Embiid's averaging 30 and 12, and his team, <clears throat> his team is better. So, 
and he hits I his free that throws. Just, that pretty much hands it to him right there. He's shooting 50% from the field, 40, well, two, almost 42% from three as a center. I mean, he's having by far the best year of his career. He's staying healthy. Um, he, he did miss uh, a couple of games earlier in the year, but up until this point, he really has been the best player in the East for the first half of the year. And to me, he's the midseason MVP because his team is the number one seed. And they really, I mean, his team is good. I mean, Ben Simmons is good and Tobias is having a good year and the other role players are decent. I mean, the Sixers team had high hopes last year and they kind of got squashed in the playoffs. They got swept in the first round. So they were more of a letdown last year than anything. But this year, they're turning it around. They are right now the number one seed. And really, Embiid and the fact is that the Sixers are so good, it really just is the perfect uh, equation for midseason MVP. So I named those four guys that I think uh, are in the running. And to me, I'm, I'm picking Embiid because the number one seed does mean something when it comes to most valuable player. All right. Well, uh, after a little quick intermission, Thomas's paper towels fell in his Fordham dorm room. <laughs> Anyways, Will named Embiid's midseason MVP, and I'm going to agree with him, of course. This is, sorry, Thomas, two beats, one. Embiid's averaging 30 and 11. He hits his free throws and his threes, unlike your man Giannis over there in Milwaukee. And they're first. And I think we could say that Philly probably has a worse roster overall than Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee has some nice role players. Brooke Lopez, Milton, he, he wasn't an all-star this year, but he's probably a better player than Tobias Harris in hindsight. I think we would all agree on that. And Ben Simmons, I mean, I know Drew Holiday's been out for most of the year, but you could say they're pretty similar in, in terms of ability and skill. So Sixers ben are Simmons first. Is better. Yeah, you could so. say Ben. That's fine. I could, I would, I would say Ben Simmons I, is a I little better. Well. But Philly, nobody saw this team being the one seed. I mean, we both, we all had them around right. the five seed or six seed. Doc Rivers is their coach. He comes in, they bring in Seth Curry and some extra nice role players. I know Thomas is a big Shake Milton fan. He's been playing well <laughs> off the bench in Ben Simmons. He's been playing well. Shake it out ben West. In Ben Simmons' absence. So they're just an all-well-rounded team. And the narrative in Bede's first, usually the guy who's the one seed and puts up insane stats, has it going for him. And I'm, and if Embiid does end the winning MVP, I'm going to celebrate on this show because he's one of my favorite players. <laughs> and good for the Sixers. They're turning it around. The, the, trust the process, guys. Noah, if Joel Embiid wins, I'll He's... buy you an ice cream cake from Dairy Queen. If he wins MVP? Oh, if he wins MVP. Clip it. Clip it. Okay, we're going to... Clip it. I'll take I'll you that. If, if he wins it, I'll do it. Okay. Those aren't cheap, folks. I, 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 Those are like 25 bucks. I'm, I'm, I'm a Dairy Queen tiny veteran. One. I'll buy you the personal-sized one. Yeah, <laughs> and um, Will is going to buy me an expensive cake if we the IG gets to 10,000 followers by the end of, the, by the end of 2021. By the end of 2021. So I could be receiving some cakes on the way throughout my 2021 if good things happen. Okay, so Thomas with Giannis, Will and I with Embiid. Let's move on to Rookie of the Year, guys. And you guys both flopped on this prediction. You guys thought it would be Obi Toppin. (laughs) As a Knicks fan, I had a feeling it wasn't... Yeah, it was. I had a feeling that was not going to come true. I know we all didn't expect Randall to be cracked out of his mind and hitting every shot he takes. It, it, he just doesn't play enough. It's impossible for him to win. He couldn't win the dunk contest. It was rigged against him, and the rotations are rigged against him too. So, Lamelo Ball is my preseason pick. 
And he's it's he's running away with it, honestly. I mean, he's what we all thought Lonzo Ball would be, as Stephen A. said. And I know Thomas likes to harpoon and hate on LeVar, but LeVar was right. LaMelo was the best son. He said that all this time. He said LaMelo's going to be a superstar. And even MJ is surprised how good LaMelo's been. Even I'm surprised, and I've been a LaMelo truther for years. I'm surprised how well he's transitioned. He's hitting threes. He's doing everything right. He averages 16, 6, and 6 this year. 38% from three on five attempts. That's really good. I mean, that's a, that's almost elite shooting. And I don't, as, an, as a LaMelo fan, I did not think he's going to shoot this well. He sort of changed his release. But he's just, well, he's just a polished basketball player and good for the Hornets. I know the Knicks really wanted him, but they couldn't trade up and get him. They didn't have a high enough pick. But LaMelo's really changing the Hornets franchise. MJ finally made a good pick. It's going to be one of the biggest draft flops of all time if Wiseman and Edwards don't pan out. But uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, see, this weekend, as boring as the All-Star game and everything may have been, I was still getting Ws this weekend because Curry had a great uh, night, three-point contest. He had a great All-Star game, and Giannis won All-Star MVP. So two of my favorite players there, players I like to talk about on this show a lot, uh, did some good things over the weekend. And now here we are at the Midseason Awards, and two of my co-hosts' favorite players, Joel Embiid, and LaMelo Ball getting some notoriety here in this episode as well. So it's a good year. I'm going to win those cakes. <laughs> for my rookie of the year, I am also picking LaMelo Ball because what else are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to go ahead and say that Anthony Edwards, who is averaging less stats in every category and shoots terrible percentages and is on an awful team, is going to be o- over that. You're not going to say Tyrese Halliburton, who's basically the same player as LaMelo, but just slightly worse. You're not going to say him either. He's also older. He'll, uh, that doesn't really mean anything to me, but over the course of their career, it will matter a little bit. And really, there's nobody else. I mean, Emmanuel quickly doesn't play enough. Uh, Wiseman has been injured. He's not better. So, yeah, I mean, clearly it is LaMelo. 16-6-6 and for him on the year. He in, Once he got inserted into the starting lineup, he was really one of the better players on their team. And for the second half of the year, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Hornets do because will LaMelo be able to drag them into the postseason and be, you know, one of their best players on a lowly seeded playoff team? I mean, that just will add to his credibility as not only rookie of the year, but just as a rising star going forward. So and we can get into what we think about the future of some of the rookies in this draft class if you guys want to, but... Yeah, for me, LaMelo, I mean, this year he is the best player. And probably going forward, he will be the rookie to remember out of the 2021 draft class because, yeah, he was the third pick. But, I mean, it's going to be, like Noah said, a pretty big L if uh, Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman don't pan out and don't become all-stars because LaMelo, he looks like he's on pace to really uh, become that quickly. So 16-6-6 this year so far, that's rookie of the year in the bag basically from me. I mean, I'm also going with LaMelo Ball, and I'm not going to harp too much more on this, but I will say the 16-6-6 thing, that's the first time a rookie's done that in over 60 years. So yeah, he's having a historic he up, rookie. Yeah, that? and he's having a historic rookie season as it is. So, I mean, I, I picked LaMelo. He's been by far the best one. I thought it was going to really be um, James Wiseman, but he's been injured too much. But he, when he has played, he has been good, and he's going to be a good player, but LaMelo Ball, at this point, he's been great the first half. And now 
it's honestly his award to lose. Yeah, LaMelo, I mean, this 16-6-6 and year, he's having a better season as first season than Lonzo ever had, guys. Lonzo averaged 10-7-7 and as a rookie. Horrible shooting. I mean, honestly, it just comes down to LaMelo fixed his jump shot faster than Lonzo. It took Lonzo until New Orleans to really start hitting threes consistently. LaMelo did it in year one. He's also just more aggressive than his brother. You could see how passive Lonzo is. He, he sort of feeds it to Ingram and Zion, but LaMelo has the ability to take over games. We've seen a lot of clips and a lot of clips on House of Highlights of him taking over games. And he's just been fantastic this year. His PR actually is 18.8, and Edwards is not even 10, and it's pretty bad. that's pretty bad. Lonzo's PR is 15. He's having a better year. Lonzo's averaging 14, 5, and 5 on worse shooting. So the youngest ball brother is going to be a future superstar he might have a Luka-type impact in year two and three. Maybe he'll average 22, 8, and 8 next year and, and keep progressing and leading the Hornets out of the dumpster of a franchise they are. So good for MJ. It always feels like the third pick always becomes a really good player. I mean, RJ, we expect him to yeah. be great. He was the third pick. Beal was the third pick. Of course, as we know, MJ, who drafted Lamelo, was the third pick. So a lot of good players. With Jason Tatum was the third pick in recent memory, and Luka was the third pick. The third pick is the lucky pick. You don't always want the second or first, maybe, because – Edwards, Anthony Bennett, Wiggins, these guys are all first picks and look where they're at. Edwards might just be uh Wiggins 2.0, honestly. He's more he's more raw than Lamelo, but yeah, Lamelo's he's gonna run away with this award. Yeah, we can talk about Edwards for a second. I do want to bring up Noah, you were alluding it to it uh just now, but with Edwards, I just feel like separating him from the rest of this class and the rest of the better players in this class. He really is the only one out of like the top four or five that just he has no ability to impact the game to me. Like all the other players, Lamelo, uh, Halliburton, even quickly, like these guys, you can see the impact in their play. And when they're on the like they're on the floor, they actually do you know sway the outcome of the game. And with Edwards, I just feel like he basically has no ability to to get you a win or are really make a significant impact at all. And I think, I mean, there's advanced stats that kind of support this argument. I know advanced stats, people moan and groan sometimes when you bring them up, but they do, they are useful I'm sometimes. And, and this is a situation I think they do apply. I mean, Noah already brought it up with the PER uh, argument. All these four players, okay, so we can agree that Lamelo, Edwards, Halliburton, quickly, you know, these are some of the best players in this draft so far. Uh, he's the only one out of all of those players that has a PER lower than 18. Okay, even quickly, who comes off the bench and was the 25th pick, has a higher PER uh, over 18. And Edwards, I mean, his PR is under 10. It's all the way half of that at nine. So uh, his his efficiency is really bad. Clearly, uh, just for reference, an elite PR is like 25. So like LeBron, his PR this season is 25. Uh, MJ's for his career. Is like 28. So that that realm is a great PR. John Morant last year had a 17 PER. So all these point guards, Tyrese, IQ, and LaMelo are better efficiency than that even this season. Plus minus, Edwards is the only player out of those four that has a negative plus minus. Okay, he's minus five. The rest of them, Edward, uh, I think LaMelo has the best at like plus four or something, but quickly Tyrese, they have like a plus two. So Edwards is negative there as well. And then he also, Edwards is the only one with negative win shares. So all these other players, they can impact winning. They can impact the game when they're on the floor, have a positive plus minus. But Edwards, 
He's just negative in all those categories. So I don't know. Maybe he is on his way to next Andrew Wiggins bust territory. He clearly is not as good as LaMelo, and he's not even as good as Halliburton. Or quickly. Or anybody. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Edwards, it might be rough. Uh, LaMelo, meanwhile, both thought he should have went first overall. That's clearly that Minnesota really messed up. It, they Deal loading's been out the whole year. Just imagine LaMelo having Cat. I mean, LaMelo, Cat, and Malik Beasley, even D. Lloyd when he came back. That could have been a very fun team to watch. Instead, he's in Charlotte with Rozier and Hayward. They're having a nice season. But I think we should start with Halliburton for a second. He's probably going to finish second in the voting. I mean, I, I even when we saw him play the Knicks twice, he obviously he played really well against us the first game. But his defensive instincts is what really separates him from these other players on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you can see how many steals he gets. He's always in the passing lane. He makes the right pass. He's a good all-around point guard. And if Obi Toppin doesn't pan out, guys, I mean, we all really liked Halliburton's game, which I thought he shot like a girl, but it's been translating. He's shooting 43% on five threes a game. I mean, he's been he's been better than I thought, honestly, too. I mean, he fell to 12, and Washington, the Knicks, and the Pistons. I mean, I don't even think Killian Hayes has, like, really played that much this season. So Halliburton was, what, like the third point guard taken out of – or fourth, maybe, third taken in this draft class, and he – might be the second best easily, but his defensive instincts, the way he plays the game, the feel he has, it's just, it's just remarkable. And he's going to be an all-star probably in this league for many years to come. And he can play off the ball and on the ball, which is great with Fox. Yeah. A lot of Nick fans wanted Halliburton uh, to be drafted with that pick. And I was astonished that he was available there. And I, I, was, was, I, mean, I was shocked that, that Toppin was available there too. And I kind of was happy with either one on draft night and they drafted Toppin. And I was like, all right, uh, that's fine, and it still is fine. I mean, rookie year, first half of one season. I'm not going to declare Toppin a bust and Halliburton an all-star, but no, you would not. think the Knicks would be better with Halliburton on their team. I mean, he is a better player. His stats certainly uh, show that he's having a, a great season while Toppin struggling for minutes, uh, doesn't really score very much, get involved in the offense very much when he's in. So he's kind of struggling behind an all-star uh, Julius Randle starting so difficult for him in his rookie year but I mean we do know about Tibbs he does not love to play rookies that often uh, there's still a lot of hope for Toppin and a lot of growth to be had but yeah I mean if we get to year three or four and Halliburton has an all-star appearance and Toppin is averaging seven points it is going to be kind of a problem because we did have that opportunity to draft an, an all-star caliber point guard and the Knicks have needed that for so long and Emmanuel quickly I mean he could end up being one of those players for them. But yeah, to have to have both of them, Halliburton and quickly, it would have been probably the right decision at this point, looking back on it. So disappointing. We can hope that Toppin uh, gets the opportunity and gets better throughout his career. But for right now, yeah, Halliburton does look great. And it was, I guess, a missed opportunity for all those teams. The fact that he fell all the way to 12th is crazy. I mean, it's like Michael Porter. If the Knicks had drafted Michael Porter and Tyrese Halliburton instead of Kevin Knox yeah. and Obi Toppin. We might be in the playoffs. It would be a better team right now. So, well, we yeah, are in the so, playoffs right now. So yeah, missed sure. opportunities there with those rookies. But yeah, I mean, Halliburton, he looks like a great player all the way at 12. All right. So we know Halliburton, LaMelo are great. But what do you think Anthony Edwards needs to do to fix himself? I, what is his ceiling per se? Stop rapping. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one thing to say. Stop rapping. Care, care yeah, more about basketball. That's true. Yeah, he's like, I could play football. He, literally, yeah. I could, he's like, I could do anything. He definitely needs to get better shooting, but I just his instincts aren't there. Like Halliburton, Lamelo, 
you can just tell how long they've been playing basketball and what they've been doing. Edwards just he's raw a lot. He's not the smartest player. Like Lamelo and Halliburton could pass really well, and they're they got great defensive instincts and they could shoot. Edwards, it might take a few years, but I mean, I hope he doesn't become Andrew Wiggins. I mean, but that'd be kind of funny that Minnesota just keeps drafting bad, like small forwards first overall. I don't know. I mean, I remember coming in the draft, people would say, oh, he's just like, he's going to be like Dion Waiters. I mean, I could see that, but you would hope his ceiling could be like, uh, I don't know, an all-star level, maybe like 22 points per game. You, you would think he could play like D Wade eventually down the line if he reaches his max potential, but it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Definitely. Especially in Minnesota, not the greatest track record of developing people either, as we've seen. Yeah. I mean, the system, it does matter to play where these players end up. I mean, we talk about it in football a lot and Patrick Mahomes wasn't on the chiefs with Andy Reid and all those weapons. He probably would still be great, but they wouldn't, he probably wouldn't have a super bowl at this point and just sort of the system you fall into, uh, it does play an impact, less so in the NBA than in the NFL, but it does matter. And Minnesota does not have a great history when it comes to their top picks. And we, I mean, Noah and I, we broke it down on an episode when Thomas was in quarantine about just how awful the T-Wolves draft history has been. <laughs> and you might have to add Anthony Edwards to that list at some point if he really doesn't uh, improve shortly because being the first overall pick on a bad team you do hope that they're an impact player and they are they do become a d wade i mean that's that's what you want when you draft somebody first overall so there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and it's gonna be hard in minnesota uh, if they don't turn things around and i was kind of joking when i said he needs to care more about basketball but ultimately it's like true. being a student of the game and buying in and working hard it, it does separate a lot of players and there's always that dichotomy between talent and hard work but when you are talented and you work hard that's what makes some of the greatest players of all time yeah Lamelo. i mean he's come a long way i mean i know people used to make fun of him how he just shot half quarters and cherry picked in high school and all that kind of jazz i know thomas did not like it you i was know one what? of those people once he gets to the nba he plays real basketball and he plays real basketball very well he's Good. watched his brother's He's a student of the game, as well mentioned. He's been groomed by LeVar. And he, I mean, probably watching Lonzo, having a big brother in the NBA is probably such an advantage. I mean, he's at a lot of his games. It's funny when Will and I went to the Lakers Knicks, LeVar was in court with LaMelo and LiAngelo there. So LaMelo got firsthand experience of what the NBA journey is like. He's he's always been the guy on his team. And he's on. this is the first time he's really not the guy on his team because he's stepping. He's obviously worse than Gordon Hayward, Rozier. There's some veterans in that team. And he's exciting to watch. He's he's getting them all. They're all hyped to play with him. He's such a good passer. If he shot a lot and was mentally weak, which we thought he could be mentally weak in the NBA, it would be really bad. But he's a great teammate. And, and of course, he's passed first like his brother. And he's just making everyone around him better. And he's just he's a great player. His ceiling is unlimited, honestly. Do you guys think he could become as good as Luka Doncic one day or almost at that tier of player? Probably no. not. That's a that's I mean, a really high bar to set it at Noah for yeah it is I mean, he's having he's having sort of a similar season to a Luca had as a rookie ah uh, no Lucas was a little worse Lucas a little was worse but but Luca took a lot more shots because he was the yeah. only guy well, I mean, Lamelo has yeah Lamelo has Hayward and Rozier Rozier scores a lot I mean that was don't forget for the favorite player Devonte Graham no he's on the bench but like the, yeah, he I, I think Lamelo's doing just fine i could see him being a real superstar in this league as a big i've been a fan of him for a while so i'm a little biased but quick story time really high 
quick story time. Do you guys remember, uh, I think this was in February of 2017. So this is sophomore year of high school. Um, we were going to lunch and then I, I sat down at the table. It was me, you guys, and a couple of our friends from high school. And we were talking about um, UCLA's most recent game. I think they played like Arizona or something like that. So this was in conference play. And this was when I discovered that there were three ball brothers. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I distinctly remember. I don't, my I don't remember saying, this. What? I don't remember this, but go on. But I remember distinctly saying that LaMelo Ball is going to be the best of the three. And I remember Lavar said that he said that's Alonzo's face. <laughs> no, I know that, but I, I also said it too without knowing Lavar said it. And then Will just got, Will just didn't say anything. Cause I think he just hated the ball family so much. And then, no, I remember you going, yeah, LaMelo ball is going to be a top two pick um, whenever he gets drafted. And, and you made fun of me. Well, he wasn't top two, but you didn't make fun of me. He was top three. I'll take, I didn't, on that. how did I make fun of you? I, I thought you. Oh, never mind. Go on. No, but like, and then like, just how how is that? How well is that aged? Both of us. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my takes are aging well. Embiid is on pace to win MVP. Uh, Doc can win Coach of the Year. That was my preseason prediction. He, they're def he's definitely in the running if they finish first, of course. Yeah. But yeah, Lamelo. I mean, I've watched. I watched all. I would come home from school, saw from here Thomas, and watch his Chino Hills highlights. Like that was. Oh, I did yeah, that. That's they, why they post, I don't like. They him. post. They posted. <laughs> yeah. They would post. He was the most covered player. I mean, he has more Instagram followers than Luca, and like he's the most. He has the most clout, and I would like to say that word. He is the most clouded player coming into the league of all time, probably besides like LeBron, no, obviously Zion, and Zion. Zion. Well, social media followers. LeBron wasn't with the social media area. He didn't come into the league when there was social media. Bro. Yeah, I I just said that. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's funny, like Ball's Life and all those sites, they would post every single, like his full game highlights of every game. And that's where I, I fell in love. I'm like, this guy's going to be a star. And we, we can get into why gonna, Will hates Ball's Life later on. He's, he's he, going to be a star. We can do a whole episode about why Will hates Ball's Life. It's it's actually really funny. And I was a fan of Alonzo too coming out. You saw you guys saw him, but I thought he's going to be really good. Just has, he's been, he's been, a, he's a good role player. He's not going to be an all-star. It doesn't look like in his career anytime soon. Yeah, but it's okay. LeVar's got LaMelo. Moving on from Rookie of the Year and MVP, let's go into Depoy, Defensive Player of the Year. It's been basically a one-man race this whole time, guys. I think we all know who is going to win at the end of the year. I know Will and I both picked Anthony Davis, a very good rim protector and can guard one through five. But he's been hurt a lot this year, and the Lakers haven't been as good as they should be. So that gives the award to Rudy Gobert. Utah Jazz, first in the West. He's been the stifle tower. He's been anchoring that Utah defense for years and years. He's won the award, I believe, twice before. And he's a great rim protector. He can guard a lot, multiple positions. And he's the backbone of that Utah team. They sent him to a max. I know I questioned it, if he's worth the money. And he's showing he is worth most of that money for the Jazz. And, and he's a big part of their success in the starting lineup. It is always hard to give a more defensive player such a uh, high-paying contract because you don't really see or you don't yeah you don't see their production really in the box score all the time rudy gobert he protects the paint he's a huge reason why the jazz are the number one seed in the west through the first half of the year and yeah i mean he probably does deserve to win defensive player of the year if he does it for a third time he will have the second most awards in nba history he'll 
go into the second place behind uh, Matumbo, who has the most at four. So Gobert with three uh, does have an opportunity to be a, a historic player. I mean, if he gets three defensive player of the year awards, he's probably going to be a hall of famer, which I mean, it, it is pretty funny, but that's the kind of player you give a max contract to. So I, I do guess it is worth it uh, to me. I mean, yeah, I agree with Noah. It is, it probably should be Rudy Gobert, but it, it is kind of a two man race. I mean, Ben Simmons, does deserve some praise for his defense. I mean, he probably is the best perimeter defender in the league, so it wouldn't shock me if he won the award at the end of the year. But with the Jazz in the number one seed uh, and with the best record in the NBA, I think the NBA will recognize that and probably give it to Gobert. And the Jazz, I mean, they have no MVP candidates on their team despite such a great record. So they're going to have to win some awards. And, And Rudy Gobert, I mean, he's the best defensive center in the league. So... His contract, I guess, is worth it, and he's probably on his way to a third defensive player of the year. I think voter fatigue will play a factor in who wins the defensive player of the year because we know that Gobert, as dominant of a force on that end as he is, the voters do not seem to care about the multiple award achievement thing, if I can phrase that even weirder than I already did. Uh, I think think that they'll give it to Ben Simmons just because... (laughs) I don't know, maybe they'll get more hype. ESPN could probably get more clicks and doing more stories on Ben Simmons, I guess, winning the Defensive Player of the Year. And besides me making fun of all that stuff, in reality, like Will said, he is the best perimeter defender probably in the NBA. He's also on the best team in the East at the moment. And he just virtu- he can seem to virtually stop any guard that he wants. I mean, we look at... Uh, R.J. Barrett, when he played the Knicks, he just bullied him into horrible shooting. He makes small guards like Kemba Walker look like inferior inferior basketball players because if he's 6'10", and he can just use his frame and his size to his advantage as well as him being an incredibly physical defender. And he does lead the league, I think, in steals. And he led the league last year in steals. Um, he's pretty high up there again this year. So if we're going to... Factor in voter fatigue on top of the fact Ben Simmons is a very good defender. It's possible that Simmons will get it, but I wouldn't be shocked if Gobert also gets the award. Yeah, I think a case can be made for both of these guys, but Rudy Gobert, I mean, he's averaging 2.7 blocks through the first half of the year. That would be a career high for him. So he's already won the award twice. He, you know, I mean, you can make the argument that he's the best he's ever been this season. So if that is the case, that he really he has a career high in blocks and the Jazz are either the number one seed or wherever top of the West they're at. Uh, I mean, this could be the best season for Rudy Gobert of his career, and he's already won twice. So I think maybe uh, that will play a factor in him being able to win the award. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting race. Simmons, Gobert. I know Will's a big Simmons fan. I I personally don't like Gobert and Simmons damage as players, but I cannot deny their defensive prowess for their teams, and that's why they're, they're big parts of the one season, the East and West. All right, so let's pivot to Coach of the Year, guys. This is an interesting award. This is way tougher than Depoy. I think there's three guys, three or four guys that come to my mind. I'm going to lay out some guys and see what you guys think. So we got to start with Quinn Snyder, the Jazz coach. He's the, They have the best record in the NBA with no real superstars, as Will mentioned earlier. Donovan Mitchell, he's a great player, but he's not a top 10 or top 5 guy. They just had a really deep roster, and – with Gobert and Mitchell, they play great defense and they win a lot of games. And they've they've been beating up on really good teams. I know they beat the Lakers by twenty. 
and they beat Philly, or they lost to Philly actually, but they beat the Nets, I believe, and they the Knicks actually were one of their last losses, which is pretty funny. So Quinn Snyder is definitely in the conversation. And I think Monty Williams, I feel, I think uh, most people, I, I personally picked the Suns to be the eighth seed, but they're they're the second seed right now. They're exceeding expectations. So adding Chris Paul, Monty Williams, they have a lot, have a great foundation and a deep roster. The Suns definitely can make a run in the playoffs. And I think Tom Thibodeau, our Knicks, we thought the Knicks would be a bomb three team, and here they are. Top five C in the East, playing meaningful games at the end of the season, competing with playoff teams every night. Julius Randle has emerged. So that's the third candidate. And of course, we got to go to Doc Rivers for changing this Philly foundation. The Sixers were, they were like the fifth seed last year. I thought they would be about the same. They've ascended to first, and Bede and Simmons are big parts of that. But Doc Rivers has really filled out the rotations. They, their GM, Daryl Morey, has done a nice job adding some extra shooters to complement Simmons and Embiid. So I think it's really a race between those four guys. And uh, I mean, Noah, you laid out the groundwork for how competitive of an award this can be. And obviously all three of us have Thibodeau bias, the, uh, the screaming enthusiast, if you will. So we're all incredibly biased towards him. I'm going to go with Monty Williams. I, I think the turnaround that the Suns have had this year, James Jones in the front office, giving him Chris Paul. I forgot it was James Jones, the GM. What? <laughs> The former player, the LeBron coattail riders, the, doing a good job as a GM. Yeah, he's actually been a really good GM. I thought getting rid of Kelly Oubre was good because uh, that allowed Mikhail Bridges to really step up and show why the Knicks should have picked him instead of Kevin. <sighs> no, I would have. I would have liked that. That'd be him. nice. No, I, I know. I, I want him now, of course. I know Will was a big fan of him, but I preferred Knox and Miles Bridges. You always like to say that your takes take a long time to work. Well, how about that take taking a <laughs> well, few years before I mean, if, Bridges became good? <laughs> yeah, well, if Kevin Knox goes to another team and becomes uh, like a 18 points per game <laughs> score, that can change. But anyways, Thomas, back to you. Well, I mean, he also got Chris Paul, which was very good. And we I talked about that a couple episodes ago about Devin Booker and all that, but that's a topic for another day. You know, Aiton improving, Booker being him, who he is, and just the way that this team is constructed, and Monty Williams deserves a lot of credit. They're second in the East right now, or in the West. They're second in the West. West. Okay? <laughs> who would have, who have, in 2K15, who have thought, who would have thought that the Phoenix Suns, the abysmal team that they've been since 2011, was the last time they made the playoffs, would turn around this 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 well. And you have to attribute a lot of that. You can say Chris Paul, you can say James Jones, but I think Monty Williams deserves a lot of the credit. And he's done a phenomenal job out there. And they they play a really, really nice brand of basketball. Really nice brand. Yeah, for me, this is where the midseason aspect of these awards come in because I think probably if we get to the end of the year and the Jazz are the number one seed and they have the best record in the NBA, and they have no MVP candidates, then Quinn Snyder probably deserves it. And, I mean, he could even deserve this version of the midseason award just for what he's been able to do through the first half of the year with uh, this Jazz team, who we all viewed as kind of a middle-of-the-West 4-5-6 seed coming into the season. Now they're the best team in the NBA uh, by record. So definitely a lot of credit to him. Monty Williams is a great pick, too, uh, just because the expectations for Phoenix – coming into the year were I mean Noah had them towards the bottom of the playoffs I had them just inside that uh that play-in tournament kind of range 9-10 
And look, they're all the way at the top of the West as the two seeds. So his job he's been able to do with the turnaround is impressive as well. Although I'll probably attribute it a lot to Chris Paul. And just we've been talking about his leadership magic. Everywhere he goes seems to have success. So uh, it probably does have something to do with him. But for my midseason coach of the year, and just based on the expectations coming in, I am going to pick Tom Thibodeau as my midseason coach. Because you look at these other teams, like the Jazz, yeah, they're a playoff team already. Okay, the Suns, they have two all-stars on their team this year. DeAndre Ayton's pretty good too, a 2010 guy. You look at the Knicks, we had them coming into the season as potentially the worst team in the NBA. I know a lot of mock drafts had them picking first overall in the upcoming draft. We had no idea who their guy was going to be. We had no idea what the identity of this team was. The Nick culture, we've been talking about it forever, how it's been non-existent. And literally in 35 games, Tom Thibodeau's came in and reversed all of that, basically. And now they're within a top five seed in the East. They have an all-star level player. Everything seems to be going right for one half of the year when it comes to the Knicks. So Tom Thibodeau, first half, I don't think anybody saw this coming from the Knicks. I don't know if anybody could have done a better job with the situation they had coming in. So that's my my midseason coach of the year is Tom Thibodeau. Although at the end of the season, if the Jazz have the best record, I would give it to Quinn Snyder. But just for now, uh, Thibodeau, I think he's done a job no coach in the NBA probably could have done, which is turn the Knicks around. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Will. Tom Thibodeau is my midseason coach of the year. It's going to be him or Snyder at the end of the season. We thought this team was going to be bad. We did not know Julius Randle was going to be this good. There was a lot of questions. We, we know we didn't like Alfred Pay and Thomas like saying shelf the elf, although he plays well under Thibodeau. Shelf the elf. Shelf the elf. Shelf the elf. Shelf the elf. Mr. Robinson fouls. He fouled so much his first two years, and now he doesn't foul anymore. That's a big plus. Stop the count. Stop and the count. All these guys are coming together. RJ Barrett's improving. He's getting more efficient. This team just plays hard. They play that. They play their hearts out. And it's been a joy to watch halfway through the season. I would have never thought there'd be a top five seed. And actually, I saw on ESPN in an article, they did the next 15th and the power rankings coming into the second half of the season. But the person who wrote it, they predicted that the Knicks would miss the playoffs. They said it was too good to be true that they would. They think it's Fugazi that they can continue this they do have a very tough schedule coming out of the break you know they play milwaukee philly and even at the end of the season they play some really tough teams it's gonna be interesting to see how they uh, adapt and, and overcome the schedule i'm excited to find out and see what happens iq has been a very nice surprise 25th pick in the draft i know Toppin isn't what we wanted so far he should have won the dunk contest that was a rigged election but <laughs> Obi, it's hard playing behind Randall, so we can't cut. We got to cut Obi some slack, and it just Tom Thibodeau definitely my midseason coach of the year. When you take a top three or bottom three team to the playoffs, just like what we thought OKC was going to be last year. Remember, guys, when Billy Donovan won the award, everybody thought the Thunder were garbage, and they'd CP3 and Gallo, and they Billy Donovan co-shared that word Boonholzer. So it could be maybe a co-shared award with Thibodeau and with Snyder this year. At the end, who knows? By the end of the year, I do. I'm not sure how confident we could be with Thibodeau winning coach of the year just because the last couple of years, I mean, it's really just been the number one seed teams that win every single year. Uh, that coach, the, I mean, the winning percentages, there hasn't been a coach of the year to win with a record above 500, like a 500 record. The last coach to win with a 500 record or worse was Doc Rivers 
Clippers in 2000. The Magic, they went 41 and 41, and he won Coach of the Year. And if the Knicks go 41 and 41, I think you're going to have to talk about Thibodeau in that conversation. But since then, it's basically been a 50 win team at least every single year uh, from the coach that won. So it's going to be a tough uh, uphill battle for people like Thibodeau and even for someone like Monty Williams if they're, you know, 48 and whatever. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a nice turnaround, but it's going to be difficult for a coach with under 50 wins to get the award. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, the people value when it comes to that voting. I just realized that the Suns with Monty Williams and CP3, that's like the old New Orleans days, New Orleans Hornets, when they were making the playoffs a lot in their years. So they obviously have some refined chemistry there. Down in Phoenix, let's move on to the most improved player. It's a pretty much a, it's a, it's a toss-up. It's a shit show every year. We really don't know who's going to win most improved player every year. I know there's a bunch of people with high up in odds, but those people don't always pan out. And I think... There's a few people that you could put in this award, but I think I'm going to go with Jalen Brown, most improved player. He's improved a lot. I mean, he's pretty much one of the – he's not a top 10 guy yet, but he averages 27 points per game. His shooting got better, although the Celtics haven't been as what they were supposed to be. Jalen Brown has been a fantastic player in getting better in all aspects of his game. I think Boston's really going to need him throughout this whole season to step up in big moments if they want to make the playoffs and make a run. Yeah, the most improved player field this year, I mean, it's filled with some great players. You mentioned Jalen Brown. He's an all-star. Jeremy Grant has had a great turnaround. Randall, another first-time all-star. Uh, Brogdon's had a decent start to the year. Colin Sexton has came out. I mean, this is just his second year uh, having such a great season. So the field is pretty great in this season. And the most improved player award, I mean, it's kind of been, over the last few years, it's been the award you want to win. I mean, the last couple of winners, Brandon Ingram, Siakam, Oladipo, Giannis. I mean, those are some of the better players in the NBA. And it seems like after they win the award, they come out and have a great year. So the most improved player, uh, there's a little bit of magic associated with that award. I do like the Jalen Brown pick. I think I'm going to have to agree with that just because he's playing on a similar level to Jason Tatum. And people view Jason Tatum as really one of the up-and-coming stars of the NBA. And Jalen Brown was never really in that conversation, and he was never really on that same tier. But this year, I mean, they're basically averaging nearly the, the same stats. Tatum's are a little bit better. But for Brown to be to have that duo in Boston, uh, uh, it, it's obviously been great for them. And it's taken a, a little while for Brown to become this good of a player. And it is impressive him doing it in sort of the middle of his career being able to elevate to an all-star level. I, I think it's pretty impressive and deserving of the award. And similarly, I mean, I avoid, I tried to avoid Nick's bias too much, but Randall is kind mm -hmm. of in that same conversation. So I think both of those guys have a strong case uh, for most improved. You want to talk about a most improved player and we can talk about Brown and Randall. Um, for me, it's between Shea Gilgis Alexander and Randall. And I'm obviously going to pick Randall, but I think Shea, wow. uh, I think he definitely was robbed of an all-star spot this year. I mean, this year he's averaging 23 points a game. He's averaging six assists, all, um, a steal a game. He's shooting 41% from three. And even though the Thunder aren't winning, his production has taken 
a four-point uptick. That's pretty impressive to go along with the fact he shoots over 40% from three. And he is by far the leader of that Thunder team. You know, if you want to consider someone who's not going to make the playoffs, I think Gilgis Alexander would probably be the pick. But that's just me. But I think Randall deserves it every way, shape, or form. And we know Brown's had a good season, but the Celtics have not uh, even met their expectations at all. So I think that will play a factor if he doesn't get the award. And I think Randall, if the Knicks make the playoffs, anything that's a six-seater above, I think he runs away with that award. There would be nobody to catch him if that's the case, unless the, the Celtics just light the world on fire, which I mean, I don't know at the moment if they can do that, but I think it's Randall and Shea Gilgis Alexander are my two uh, picks. Yeah, I mean, the case to be made for those guys is they're the leader of their team. So you can look at Jalen Brown and say, well, he's not even the best player on his team, even if he is, you know, significantly improving. And with Randall, I mean, he's averaging career highs in every major stat category, and he's by far the best player on the Knicks and leading them to the playoffs. So I think you're right. If the Knicks do have actually, uh, a, you know, a playoff season and they get a top six seed, which would be so ridiculous. I mean, they really should not be the six seed this year. Uh, if they are that, then. Yeah, I mean, certainly it boosts Tom Thibodeau's Coach of the Year case, and then it would also boost Randall's most improved because he is also not even most improved talent, but most improved leader as well. So that leadership does go a long way and could could boost his stock for most improved player. Yeah, Thomas, I like the Shea pick. He has he. I know he played shooting guard most of the last year. He's basically been a shooting guard most of his career. But I think now we can say he's the point guard and the leader of the OKC team, like you mentioned. He's doubling his assists this year. He's having the ball more. Last year, he was second fill with CP3. He's taken the reins. He's gotten better at scoring. And his three-pointers, I mean, he shot 34.7% last season up to 41. His shooting, his whole game's gotten better. So, But maybe his team won't win enough for him to maybe garner some extra votes that Jalen Brown and, and Randall would get if they were in the playoffs. But I do like that shape pick. It, it definitely could happen. It's just the problem is he's stuck in the West. I mean, they're 15 and 21, the Thunder right now. I mean, that's 11th place. So it's not like it's a total wash. If they do make that play in tournament and he does lead them into the actual playoffs, I can most definitely see him at least receiving a top three spot for the award. But like the West is just so, so dense and so talented. It's impossible to do anything. And, you know, I mean, Randall, he is in the East. He's in a much larger market than uh, Gilgis Alexander. And like Will said, he's improved in almost every aspect of his game, even his defense. He doesn't spin anymore. He doesn't really spin into turnovers. <laughs> you know, that's a good thing. That's something we like to see. But I don't know. I, the, I would like to see Shea win it. And we are biased towards the Knicks. But I would really like to see Gilgis Alexander win. I think he deserves it. He's made... A crazy jump and no one's really talking about it. Maybe some of your fantasy bias coming in there because you did trade Jalen Brown for Shea Gilgis Alexander, <laughs> which which is pretty interesting. I mean, hey, they're it, both at the top of this award, I we would say. Uh, oh my. I mean, hey, hey, I'm happy. I'm happy. I was happy. I wanted him, and that's if I that's what I have to give up to get him. I have all right. He he gets you like twenty and ten every night. The kid's a monster. And that was another player that was drafted after Kevin Knox and Bridges and all of them. I really uh, like Shea coming out of college too. I want, But I guess eighth was too early to take him. I think most mocks had him towards the end of the lottery. Clippers snagged him. He was solid, and he was the big part of the Paul George trade, and now we see 
and blossom into a all-star potential player. All right, that's going to do it for most improved sixth man of the year. Six this is men. always an interesting award. We've seen Lou, we've seen so many multiple winners recently. We've seen Lou Will win it a bunch of times. We've seen Jamal Crawford in past years. We've seen Eric Gordon when the Rockets had a really good year. He won it. Uh, who was the sixth man of the year last year? Montrez. Yeah, Montrez Harrell, Clippers guy. Uh, now in the Lakers, he, he switched up on them. <laughs> but now I th- the sixth man of the year, this is an interesting award. I, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Jordan Clarkson. He's been fantastic for Utah off the bench. A big part of their success. The Jazz, I mean, they're trying to sweep a bunch of these awards. They could have Snyder, Gobert, and Clarkson win all those three awards. I mean, I we used to, I remember me and Will used to make fun of Clarkson in Cleveland for taking bad shots, and he was sort of a sort of a bench player for the Lakers. He could just score, but now he gets in the game. He gets hot quickly, and he's one of the most important players. He's their whole. He, him and O'Neal are big bench pieces for Utah, and we got to credit Clarkson for not taking so many dumb shots and just like just coattailing off LeBron in Cleveland. Yeah, I agree, and it was funny because we forgot Six Man of the Year when we did our original. Uh, award picks yeah and i was making the graphics for the instagram at the bonafide scrubs go follow and we didn't have any and i know it was just like okay just i don't care you pick just give me a six man and i picked jordan clarkson for him so now it just makes his uh thank his you predictions look even smarter but yeah i mean through the first half of the year we can go back to the utah jazz bag here and and just they deserve some praise and, and some level of awards for being the number one seed and Clarkson has contributed greatly to that. I mean, he's averaging 18 points per game off the bench. That would be a career high for him if he's able to do that. Uh, so it's just been impressive what the jazz have been able to do. And there's been no shortage of scoring from them. And Clarkson has been a part of that. So yeah, he is probably by far the sixth man through the first half of the year uh, coming in. There wasn't really any obvious pick this season, I think. And Clarkson, separated himself uh pretty quickly so yeah that's i think it's a pretty chalk and pretty average pick to say clarkson should win i mean unfortunately i have to agree with clarkson he's kind of running away with the award at this point the only other person who i could think of that maybe could have stolen the award was dennis schroeder of the lakers but i didn't think he was going to start but he is so um i mean he he's obviously not going to win it he is a starting player in the league and the other person that i thought of and i don't know how much consideration that this would get and here we go with more nick's bias was emmanuel quickly in theory since he does come off the bench and he's putting up good numbers in theory it would make sense but in reality it wouldn't happen he is a rookie he's definitely not going to be considered for an award like that but don't be shocked down the road if he does walk away with it but with clarkson i mean we do question his egregious shot selection, which has been the case for most of his career. I mean, he kind of looks like me when I'm playing pickup with you guys. I just shoot dumb shot after dumb shot, thinking that'll go in. But he's <laughs> shut up, shut me up real quick this year, and I'm, I'm I'm impressed that he's having a real impact finally on a winning NBA team. His percentages aren't too bad, and. I mean, I don't know who the hell else could be considered for this award other than him. It might just be a one-horse race. So, I mean, no disagreements with Clarkson there. Yeah, Clarkson's shooting 97% from the free throw line. So, I don't know where that ranks oh my. in the NBA, but it's probably first. That's like Steve Nash. Better than IQ. I think that's first. Chris Paul, I think, shoots around 97 too. 
Yeah, IQ. He doesn't play enough, Thomas. I, I think that'd be an interesting not for pick. This season, no, maybe not from this season, but next year when he when he gets more minutes, if because he, he's definitely a really good scorer off the bench. He has a similar play style to Clarkson, probably a better passer, a little more playmaking and, and smarter shot selection for IQ in New York. But yeah, Clarkson, he's taking eight point six threes a game. That that is a lot in today's NBA, even in for that for that yeah, for today's NBA. And he's shooting thirty seven percent clip. He's averaging 18 points. That's actually, he's averaging more points than Bogdanovich in the starting lineup. So he's one of their top three guys, probably, or at least, at least their fourth guy after maybe Mitchell, Gobert, and Bogdanovich. So congrats for, to Clarkson if he ends up winning. Did we, did we, consider, uh, did we consider Gallinari? Could he, he have uh, someone? He's been hurt. Uh, yeah, he hasn't been good. And I was, I was actually looking to say Bogdanovich, the, the Hawks one who they signed. Bog Bog. Bog Bog. They're paying him like 70 million. <laughs> Remember, he's averaging eight points and he's played like 10 games. So that is a failed signing Ouch. so far for the Hawks because he Ouch. would definitely be in the six man running, I think, if he uh, came off the bench and contributed for that Hawks team. I th- uh, now the names are starting to come to my head. Buddy Heald because he doesn't freaking start either, apparently. But no, he's, I think he starts now. Enough. I think he started most yeah, of the but, season. Yeah, but he's he stinks now. And I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he he's been he was having the bench thing beefing I think with Halliburton is a better six man case on that team than Buddy Heald would. Yeah, but again, do do you think that they would yeah. give that award to I mean, rookies? If he was the best option. Clark, Clarkson's better than him, so no. no but oh yeah, yeah, that's true. If uh yeah, like if if IQ averaged like sixteen off the bench somehow, then he could have a chance to win it. Unfortunately, he has Elf on the shelf and Alec Burks taking shots away from him, so. I I Burks think that those two. Are, oh yeah, we I oh we could have picked Burks because we didn't know if he was going to start or not. That definitely would have been a name, and he had a phenomenal. Start, yeah, but but he died. The Knicks like, just play too many guys. We just have like nine or ten guys that all take shots. Like, yeah, Randall has the best chance to win an award for a Nick, and that's most improved as we mentioned earlier. All right, well, that's going to do it for our midseason awards. Now we can move on to what I guess is going to be our final segment here on this gigantic NBA episode of the show and that is pretenders and contenders so this is kind of fun through one half of the year to see who we think actually has a chance to win the title and who we think is just overachieving through the first half of the year so i mean there are i mean it's been an interesting season so far in the nba both the east and the west the the standings are pretty interesting nobody really saw the jazz coming out with the best record in the nba the suns are surprising a lot of people they're at number two. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers are dethroned for the top two seeds so far. So that's something people didn't see coming. And then in the East, it's kind of any team's game. I mean, all of them pretty similar records there at the top. So definitely some decent options here for pretenders and contenders. So Noah, I will send it to you first. I guess we can start with the the contenders because that the pretenders, I have a feeling, is going to be a longer discussion. Okay, so let's let's talk about some teams real quick. Let's talk about the Sixers first. Uh, they are sitting at the first seed in the East. They have Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year, Canada, Embiid. They have Seth Curry. Tobias is having a bounce back year. We know Doc's a great veteran coach. He knows how to get through playoff games. He's won a championship in Boston before. Are they actually contenders, guys? Will do? You, can they actually make the finals? I mean, if they're if they say is the one seed, they will avoid. Milwaukee, who will definitely be an interesting matchup because Milwaukee, if the top three finish Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly could avoid Milwaukee until I believe the East Finals, right? Uh, yeah, they would avoid Brooklyn and Milwaukee 
they would avoid both those teams until the East Finals. So that would be an interesting. They just have to win that one series against Crooklyn or the Bucks. But I don't know. Can they actually win the championship if they make it? I don't know if they would beat the Lakers or Clippers, per se. That would be an interesting matchup, though. Well, I think they're a contender. I mean, they don't have to win the championship to be a contender. Yeah, I think they're a contender. But yeah, I mean, I think this team is for real. They yeah. have an MVP candidate in Embiid. There's a chance that they could have the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year when we get down to the end of the season with uh, Embiid and Simmons, which is funny because Giannis was both of them at once last year. So people like to hate on Giannis, but don't realize really how ridiculous that is to have the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in one player on your team. So... Who hates on Giannis? Yeah, what'd you say? Who hates on Giannis? Yeah, literally you. Uh, you do. Yeah, who hates on that guy? <laughs> you, literally you. Because you're a clown show! Yeah, so Philadelphia, I mean, they're the number one seed right now. They're a game up on the Nets. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I think this team, just based on their talent level, they have uh, a great coach in Doc Rivers who's won a championship before. Uh, they have decent role players like Seth Curry, and Danny Green. So, yeah, for me, I think this team is a contender, and they should be going head to head with the Bucks and the Nets there in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think both of the, all those teams really are, are legit for the Eastern Conference. I'm not ready to say that the Philadelphia 76ers are a true contender. Um, you know, they haven't gotten past the second round, and I know I complained about this earlier in the show. They haven't exactly played very good teams. I mean, yeah, you beat the Nets cool, but that was without Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant was out. And if they're healthy, I don't know who the hell beats this Nets team. I mean, Kevin Durant in and of itself, the idea of him on the basketball court, let alone when he's at his peak, is pretty much the most unstoppable player in the NBA, uh, probably other than LeBron James. He's the I'll use my gun and that gun analogy. Durant's probably the second fastest gun behind LeBron James in the playoffs or just in, in terms of dominating in the season. And now he has Kyrie Irving at his disposal and James Harden and Harden is a notorious choker in the playoffs. We do understand that, but Harden is probably going to relegate to the other two because both of them are known to be clutch in the playoffs. So, I don't know how the 76ers are going to game plan for that. I don't know how they're going to game plan for the Bucks because, yeah, you can put Embiid on Giannis and do the wall up thing, but the Bucks can come right back at you and do the same crap. And they can just force Ben Simmons to shoot jump shots all day. And that's the way you beat the 76ers. So I'm not ready to put them as true contenders yet. I think it's a two horse race between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I think teams like Boston. Uh, the Knicks, everyone below them, and they're just, they're all pretenders and they're just here for a good time, not a long time. So the Sixers aren't contenders because the Nets are better. That's basically what the argument you just made. Well, I, th- I mean, I don't, I don't think that the Sixers are that good. I mean, yeah, cool. Oh, I did tweet this. I became skip. Yeah. I would turn you, thought they would, you thought they would win the championship last year. You said if stars are stay healthy, they can go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what changed? And they, so what changed? They got, they got a lot better this year. So what changed your mind? Okay, well, I mean, if they avoid the other two teams, then yes, okay, it's possible that they... Well, they just have to get to the East Finals. true contenders in my contender, eyes. I'm not maybe. sold on them just yet. I need to see the second half of this year. And like I said before, the two stars, Embiid and Simmons, are notorious playoff chokers. Danny Green was a disaster in the playoffs last year in the bubble. 
uh, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sold on them just yet. And I don't know how they're going to beat those other two because those other two teams are just by far and away way better than the Sixers are, I think, at least. I wouldn't say the Bucks are way better than Philly at this point. Giannis is probably better than Embiid, sir. Okay, like the rest of the teams, they match up pretty well. I think it'll be an interesting series. We've never seen those two teams go at it in a, in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. I don't know. I, I, I just like think that the Simmons Bucks... could guard Giannis. Embiid could guard Giannis. I mean, they have, they have some options, definitely. And Middleton oh. hasn't been good this year. And Tobias and Middleton, they're pretty much pretty similar players. I think it would be a fun series to watch. It definitely would be fun. But I think I'm going to pick the Bucks only because they've had more playoff success than the Sixers have. Okay, that's I, fair. I just, I just think Giannis is that good. I'm, I'm biased towards Giannis. Me and Will are biased towards Giannis. <laughs> I don't think he's that good. He's not getting Noah, out of the Noah East again. Everything about him. So we can't, we can't trust uh, Mr. Levine over here. Well, with that well I can't, I can't trust you for your opinion on Philly. You don't <laughs> like Philly. <laughs> I don't. But I think Giannis is better, and I don't think anyone's going to stop the Nets if they're healthy. <laughs> Yeah, we know Philly, definitely a contender, according to Thomas or not. But I think we should talk about another team in the East. They're, they're not up to par as what those teams are technically this year, but they made a huge run last year in the bubble. And that is the Miami Heat. They started slow. They had COVID. They had injuries. It's funny as, as I say this, but they've, they have more playoff experience than the Bucs do. They've been further than the Bucs and the Sixers, and we both just talked about those teams Jimmy's Jimmy's a great player. He's a great playoff player. Bam is really good. They have all the ingredients. Spolstra's a genius coach. They have young talent. Hero, Nunn, and Duncan Robinson are pretty good. They have Iggy off the bench. They're a good team. Can they actually dethrone one of these teams and maybe make a big run again? I don't know. They they do match well against Milwaukee. We see them beat them once. I don't know if they can go all the way, but I think we should consider them to be a threat in the East if they get in. I think they're like sixth right now or seventh. So maybe they could challenge Milwaukee or Philly in a playoff series. I mean, they definitely could. We saw them kind of push the Lakers around. They did beat Jason Tatum and the Bucks, or not the Bucks, the Celtics. Excuse me. Um, I don't know. It's just they've had an unlucky break with everything, like you said, with COVID. They get further and further away from the top of the standings. <laughs> um, you know, injuries and other weird things going on down there, but. Noah is right. Miami, they're not contenders, but they do have the element of surprises in their uh, bag of tricks, if you will. So I wouldn't count them out upsetting a team and then just randomly spawning in the East Finals. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens, but it would be, it would be quite the sight to see. I'll say that. Miami, to me, got lucky last year in the bubble. To me, the bubble was the perfect environment for just nonsense to happen and it did i mean the suns didn't lose <laughs> when they were there we saw the heat yeah lebron won as the five seed go all the way and yes lebron did win the mickey mouse ring nonsense. everybody likes to say definitely lots of nonsense going on <laughs> in the bubble and the heat i mean it was just the perfect storm for them i mean they knocked off Giannis and the bucks they just they got past the celtics as thomas said so i don't know i don't see that them being able to do that again i think that was one year wonder in a weird environment. I don't think with home court advantage coming back and these teams being motivated, they're not going to be willing to lose to this team again. So to me, I don't know. I don't think uh, Miami has even, I mean, they haven't even been as good as last year just as a team. I mean, Jimmy has had his injury problems. It hasn't just been, they have more expectations, I guess you could say this year 
um, because they made the finals last year and were so good. So that is problematic to me. Uh, the fact that they've been struggling early in the season and they are missing some important pieces. I mean, they're missing Jay Crowder who they had last year, who was important to them. He's not on their team anymore. And also Myers Leonard, who played a pretty big role there in the bubble. Uh, he's out for the season. So those guys are not going to be there for them, not available. It does make their team a little bit more shallow. They're going to need more rookies and young players to step up. Like Achua has been stepping up for them. Uh, yeah, they just they don't have as deep of a team this season as they did last year. So to me, but the bubble was the perfect environment for them to succeed, and I don't see it happening again. Well, they do have uh, Knicks legend Mo Harkless, whose most notable achievement with the Knicks was scoring 17 points in a game. And then Will, in an old Bona episode, went to look it up, and he did not know that a three-minute highlight of Mo Harkless existed. So they do have him. <laughs> I don't know how you remember this. I actually didn't even remember that either. Wow. He was a super fan before producer. <laughs> <laughs> I am an elephant. But, um, I mean, they do have him. He does fill some holes. Avery Bradley's there, who I is, he's a very good role player. You're obsessed yeah, with I, for some reason. He doesn't even do anything. He doesn't I play, I feel like. He is hurt. I, yeah, he's probably hurt. Anyway. But Miami's probably yeah. going to lose in the second round. Yeah, I think first that's round. stop. But I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the East Finals and they just attempt to whoop someone's ass. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. They wouldn't if they be, beat the Nets. No, they wouldn't win, but if they pushed them to six games, that would be impressive. All right, let's take a look at the West, guys, because there's teams at the top of the conference right now that nobody saw coming. The Jazz and the Suns, I do want to talk about both of them. We could start with Utah, the best record in the NBA, 27-9. and nine. And Donovan Mitchell had that interaction with Shaq earlier in the year. Shaq told him, I don't know exactly what he told him. He just told him he wasn't a superstar or he wasn't good enough to lead a team to a championship. Right now he's leading a team to a number one seed and a, and a great record, but I'm going to have to agree with Shaq and say that Donovan Mitchell probably isn't uh, a player that you need to have on your team as the best player to win a championship. And I do think the Jazz, despite their great first half of the year, are pretenders, and I would not take them to win a playoff series over LeBron or over the Clippers to me it just doesn't seem like it would it would just be too good to be true honestly that that team like that would be able to knock off LeBron it just that those things don't happen and when we saw the Heat they gave them a decent run they're kind of a similar built team to the Jazz with no real all-time player I mean Jimmy is all right I mean he had a great performance but he kind of falls into the same tier as Donovan Mitchell to me so we saw a team like that go up against LeBron and the Lakers and fail. To me, the Jazz are really similar to the Heat. And it's probably going to happen again. I mean, playoff LeBron's a different animal. Kawhi, he's won multiple championships before. Those teams are, you know, real contenders despite being lower seeded. Three and four is where they're at right now. I don't think the Jazz are able to knock off teams like that with, I mean, they have, they had three all-stars this year, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Gobert. None of them close to an MVP caliber player. None of them close to, I mean, I guess, I mean, we, we've clowned the Hall of Fame in the past. I guess Gobert will probably get in, but none of those guys are really upper echelon level all-stars or players. So without those guys, I think you really can't win a championship. I mean, the only team that I could think of to win a championship without a real high-level all-star, high-level Hall of Famer was the 04 Pistons. I mean, that's really the only team 
I could think of in recent history without, you know, you think of that team, you think of the one player, like the Lakers won recently with Kobe before LeBron. They, um, the, the Mavs is one with Dirk, you know, the Spurs have Duncan, all these teams have high level all time players to me, the jazz, I mean, you're not, you're just not going to win without a guy like that. So uh, I think it's too good to be true. Their first half of the year, definitely pretenders to me. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, the jazz and the Suns, honestly, um, they do hold down the one and the two spot in the West, but I don't think they have enough juice to get where we think they want to go. And like, like you said before, how are they going to beat Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James who are two of the top five players in the NBA, both multi-time champions, LeBron, obviously in the discussion, is he better than Jordan, which he's not. And I mean, the Clippers are just, they have a better overall team. The Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Jazz uh, got slammed by Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Houston Rockets a couple years ago. Multiple times, in fact. So I don't know how they're going to hold up. I don't know how Donovan Mitchell, while he is good, being your lead guy in the playoffs, I mean, that's not exactly something I'd want. And we know that he went toe-to-toe with Jamal Murray in the, in the bubble with the that nonsense going on, like Will said. Nonsense was just bound to happen. Turns out it did. So I don't know who, who thinks that these guys have a, a shot at a championship. I mean, they don't have a team like the Malone Stockton Jazz. You know, those players that, have, that, have, that they have now are good, but they're not at that level. To me, the sleeper team is the Denver Nuggets. I think that that's the sleeper team in the West. I think, well, playoff Jamal Murray proved to us that he isn't. But it was the fake bubble, the as we fake just bubble. said. Okay, yes. But before that, he's had good playoff performances. Jokic is a lot to handle. I feel he does a lot of good things. Um, Mike Malone's a very good coach. They have Michael Porter, and they have, a, they have a lot of players. So I think despite them being the sixth seed in the West, they're definitely a team that can make noise. Are they true contenders? No. But if we're going to pick... Like a team, my like a team like Miami in the East. I think Denver is definitely one of those teams. I think the other team is the Portland Trailblazers with Dame, and hopefully CJ comes back. They have Mello, they have Robert Covington, as Noah likes to call him. As long as with Ennis Cantor, who the Portland Trailblazers. I think the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are bad too. Well, I mean, I think I'm not saying that those teams are contenders. I wouldn't say that they're complete complete pretenders but it, they're definitely teams you don't want to be facing in the playoffs yeah, they can fair. they can pop off it's it's entirely possible not saying that they're going to win anything but yeah utah they really do mirror the 04 pistons we could say Dobbin mitchell's rip hamilton but maybe it's Dobbin's year to prove Shaq wrong maybe he can actually produce like 30 points per game in the playoffs and beat them beat the laker i believe the clippers are fourth right now and the Clippers are known for choking, as we've seen in the past decade. So if Utah, they win the first-round playoff series, maybe they can dethrone the Clippers. We know Pandemic P is not a, a great playoff performer. Maybe Utah can be in the West Finals against the Lakers. That could happen. But, Thomas, I don't think the Nuggets are that good. I'm actually going to say something different. I like the Phoenix Suns more than the Jazz going further this, this time around. If they stay as the two-seed, I think they match up well against the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, they have they have a Hall of Fame point guard Chris Paul. You need a great point guard to win a championship. They have A and he can defend the rim. Great center. 
and they've Booker a superstar. We, we will not, he's not a top 10 guy, but we've never seen him play in the playoffs before. Maybe he's built, maybe he's built for it. Maybe he can step up his game and they have depth too. And Monty Williams is a smart coach. They play defense. They have wing defenders. Crowder played a big run for that heat playoff team last year. Crowder and Mikhail Bridges, they are really built to go all the way. Honestly, guys, I don't know if they will, but I could see him going further than Utah. Maybe they could maybe give the Lakers a seven-game series. I don't know. To me, if you had to give me a choice between the Jazz and the Suns, I would pick the Jazz probably. And I don't know. The Suns, to me, I mean, Chris Paul, he's been great for a long time, and he's made the playoffs like 12 times, and he's only made the Western Conference Finals once, and it took MVP Harden playing with one of the best players in the NBA to do it. So now you're looking at now you turn Harden into Devin Booker, I mean, that's that's not an upgrade, obviously. So, I don't know. I don't really see how that team, with an older Chris Paul even, too, that team it does not stand out to me more than the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz, Quinn Snyder, to me, is just as good of a coach as Monty Williams. Uh, Donovan Mitchell probably is just as good as Devin Booker. And then you have the Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, and probably a better all-around team. I, I think the Jazz, their depth and their roster with Clarkson, and Bogdanovich and these other guys, they really fill great roles for them. I think the rest of their team is much better than Phoenix. So, I don't know. Between those two, if you had to give me a choice, I'll go with the Jazz. I think they're just a better built team. And they've had, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has had similar success to Chris Paul in the playoffs. I mean, Chris Paul's a veteran. He's played in more playoff series, but Donovan Mitchell, he's made it to the second round before, just like Chris Paul. And Devin Booker's never made the playoffs before. So, uh, the experience is with Utah, even though Chris Paul is the veteran. I just like the Booker uh, CP3 duo compared to Gobert Mitchell. I just, I mean, Gobert's good, but he's not the guy that that's really going to get you buckets. He's a good defender. Utah does have a better team. You're correct, but I'm going to buy into the Booker stock. I think he's going to have, I think he's going to perform just as good, if not better, than Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. I mean, they both could easily lose second round to the LA teams, but. I like where Phoenix is headed. I really think they can make some noise this year and compete for a championship. All right, well, that has been this longer-than-usual episode of the Bonafide Scrubs, number 74. We hope you enjoyed this different style, one episode per week. Uh, just going for like probably almost two hours here, uh, just talking mid-season NBA. So we're looking forward to the second half of the season. Next week, we should be back with two shows per week, uh, just getting into all our normal stuff. But... This is a more creative, unique style of show. So if you enjoyed, please leave a rating and review five stars. We definitely appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram at the Bonafide Scrubs. And that's going to do it for us. We will see you next week.